Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Amen, amen. Come on, would you guys stand and give God a 10 second praise break all over this place? Come on. The last praise break of 2023. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, give someone a high five on your way down to your seat. Oh my goodness, thank you, Zach, the prophet of the house, uh, for that incredible word around our offering, and thank you, Takeover Worship, for leading so incredibly, taking us to the throne room this morning. Is anybody else grateful for the Levites of Takeover Church? Come on, people that prepare the way for you and I to enter in. Oh man, if I had the chance to meet you yet, what was that? If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Matt, I'm the lead pastor of this band of misfits, alongside my amazing wife, Adrienne, and uh, man, we... Uh, we, we boogie, don't we? We're getting after him. Come on, somebody. Come on. And uh, yeah, like Pastor Adrian said, this is going to be a, a morning of, of not just pitching vision, because I don't believe in pitching vision. I believe in getting prophetic words from the Lord that declare and decree for you and I where we are to go and who we are to be. Amen. Declare and decree who we are and where we are to be. This is what we are about at this church. And man, What's been amazing so far, I've had, I've had some moments with the Lord this morning, and so I'm all the way messed up already, so just, just get ready. Like, he has, he has erect me this morning. I have met with him, and I am, I am so grateful for this moment. And so, right now, we are coming into this very moment, friends, we are coming into the train station. At this moment, we are coming in. And this Sunday, today, we are going to shift, we are going to trade, we are going to get on a different train going into 2023. And so today though, today, as much as it's going to be transitional, as much as it's going to be awesome, we're going to reveal the prophetic word for 2024, we're going to talk about all the things that are coming up this month. As much as that is important, as much as that will happen today, friends, the goal today remains the same as it has been for the last 51 weeks, and it will remain true on the 52nd week. Today is about casting fire upon the earth. Amen. Today is about Luke 12, 49 through 50, where Jesus made it clear what his goal and mission was of coming into the earth. It wasn't simply just to save you. And then allow you to go forth in however you wish and whatever you like. No, 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 friends. He came to save you, and then he came to kindle you, and then he came to ignite you for his glory. You see, Jesus didn't have in mind some lukewarm church. No, in fact, he says in Revelation, the end of the book, I will cast out, I will spit out the lukewarm, but I came to cast fire. So that's what this is about. That's what you and I are about. And for 52 weeks, we have stewarded one single word that we are going to answer the call that Jesus has aching in his heart. On the throne of David in heaven right now is a bridegroom who is aching and who is lovesick and who desires a bride. But she's not any bride. And he's not betrothed to just anybody. No, she is burning she is ablaze and she is filled with the spirit and given completely over to his glory. Amen. And that's what he has asked and invited you and I into. It's over 52 weeks now. We have stewarded one single word from God. 
And today, that is the priority. Today, we do not change the subject. Next week, we would change course. But it's actually not even a change. It's a, as Wayne likes to say it, leveling up. If you don't know Wayne, Wayne is amazing. Wayne is prophetically gifted. If you need a word from God, I would talk to Wayne. So week 52, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my sermon for week 52. Come on, somebody. 52. Come on, we did it. I hope we did it. I hope we did it. Because God didn't ask me to preach 52 Sundays about his fire. He asked me to make him a bride of fire. The title of my sermon this morning is The Reward of Fire. The Reward of Fire. The Reward of Fire. If you have your B-I-B-L-E, still the book for me. Even though the world is quickly turning, even though culture is in mayhem, even though right now the world is about to spin off its axis because it's quickly on the path to hell, friends, I tell you this morning, the B-I-B-L-E is still the book for me, and the B-I-B-L-E is still the book for you, and in 24, I don't care how the world goes, we go with Jesus. I'm not going to stand before anybody besides Jesus and give an account for my life. And that means I can stand before any man and any woman and any cultural deity, principality of darkness and all of hell because I give an account to Jesus. Amen. And the same goes for you. As your workplaces go woke, as you go into all the sexual revolution that's happening in the world, you stand before a lamb that was slain. And he's who you give an account for. Amen. There's some new people in the back that are like, oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Revelations 4, coming out of the Bible, obviously. Revelations 4, 1 through 11. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. Can you guys just give it up for Phil and Jen in the back holding it down for us? <laughs> Phil makes it sound good. Jen makes it look good and helps us keep up with all the amazing things the Lord is doing up here. So we are grateful for you too. All right, Revelations 4, here we go. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head can i tell you this morning that it's the desire of my life that i want to be one of those elders <laughs> i mean that it's literally there's another verse in a couple of chapters later where there's these, there's these elders who live beneath the altar. And I've asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, when, when I'm with you, can I, can I live beneath the altar? Can I be? Can I live a life? 
Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was at, it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes front and behind. The first living creature is like a lion, the second like an ox, the, st- the third like a creature with a man of a face, face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night and night and day, they never cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Would you join me? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. I think heaven really liked that. Will you join me? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever The 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, power, for you have created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. I'm going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to come. Amen. Fantastic. Father, Father, I love you. I love you. You are, you are everything. You are everything to me. You are everything to me. God, I pray right now, Lord, that this room would be filled with people who would say the same, who would echo it, God, who would echo that same very sentiment this morning, God, that we, to the fiber of our being, we would be so in love with you that we would recognize God that you are everything you're the reason I have air in my lungs you're the reason I have imagination in my head you're the reason I have a sex drive you're the reason I have ambitions you're the reasons I get married you're the reason I stay pure you're the reason I pursue you you're the reason I go from holiness to holiness to glory to glory to humility to humility you are the reason my God And Father, I ask today that as we end 2023, God, I pray right now that it wouldn't be in vain. That this wouldn't be a throwaway moment, God. That right now you would understand that there are sons and daughters in this room. And you have their attention. They are giving you their affection. You have all their adoration. We are in complete alignment to you. You have our allegiance. You have our attachment. You have everything today father right now today isn't about going and getting drunk downtown and being stupid 
today isn't about ruining our witness at the beginning of the year at 1201 in front of a broken, dying world. No, today, God, today we ask for even further consecration, for even greater revealing of what is in us, that the blood still needs to wash, cleanse of us, clean of us. Father, right now I ask, would you come? Would you come? And would you send the Holy Spirit? Would you send the Holy Ghost? Would you send the spirit of conviction right now, God, that breaks off the bondage that's lasted for 52 weeks, that would open the eyes that have remained shut for the last 52 weeks, that would open the ears to hear, God, that have remained closed for the last 52 weeks, God, right now, would you just take over the service and do what only you can right now? We say, make haste, my love. Make haste, my love. Make haste, my king. Make haste, my king. We say, come, Jesus, come. Come, Jesus, come. Come, Jesus, come. With everybody in this service and under the sound of my voice, we all said faithfully and full of reverence for the Lord Jesus, we said. Amen. The reward of fire. The reward of fire. The reward of fire. You see, we, <laughs> we're going into 2024, and I'm going to talk about this up front because this is, this is exciting. This is, this is needed. This is where we're going, and then we're going to dive into the good work the Lord has for us for the rest of this morning and the rest of literally this year. Amen? <laughs> but I got to tell you, friends, 2024 is only going to be as glorious as your ending to 2023 is. If you don't know, God created seasons. He literally said it in the book of Ecclesiastes. I made a time for everything. And then he says again, I changed the times. I changed seasons. I changed times. I hold my word in my name above everything. So if you're in a season of death, I still hold my name and my word above it. That means you can pray for life. That's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is, I said. It's who he is. This is our God. This is what he's done. He has put these things in place on purpose with a reason and a mission. And friends, I'll tell you what, if you begin to read your Bible this year, you're going to find a God who is not just simply challenging, but is inviting you and I into the greatest adventure of life that we could ever experience. I'm telling you right now, right now, friends, is a time of invitation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to burn for him in ways you knew not possible until you looked him in the face. And 2023 has been a glorious year, I got to tell you. Oh, it's been the single greatest year of my life and the single probably most painful year of my life, especially on the other side of Jesus. Humans are humans, things happen, it is what it is, sin still needs to be kicked out, demons need to be delivered, and we need to live in Christ, amen? But I'll tell you this, the best part about being the most glorious, the best part about being the most painful is this, Jesus was with me in all of it. He was with me in all of it, he was with you in all of it, and he has got a plan to make all of it work together for your good. Those of you that are called according to his purpose and plans. It's who he is. It's who he is. And so for us in 2024, 
Every single January, this is what we do. We shut down all the extracurriculars. It's a hard word. We shut them down. Because I got to tell you, there's something about worshiping Jesus, beholding Jesus, praying to Jesus, looking at Jesus, sitting with Jesus, getting with Jesus, that will disciple you far greater that if you and I get coffee, you just want to lie to me for the first 45 minutes and then the last 10 minutes of our meeting, you finally confess the things. Tell me when I'm telling lies. I know how this goes. I've been in ministry for 17 years. It's the honor and privilege of my life. But I'm telling you, there's a greater discipleship to be done in you and it's face to face with Jesus. And so we canceled everything. We have no other Wednesday programs for every four Wednesdays in January. What do we do? We don't just pursue his glory, but we come and we rest in his glory. Jen, can you throw that graphic up for me? We have glory nights every single Wednesday starting at 7 p.m. Let me tell you this as your pastor. This isn't just for the young people. This isn't just for the people who don't have kids. This isn't just for those of us where it's, it's more convenient to be at things than others. I'm telling you this. This is all about our first fruit season. We don't give God our leftovers at December and at the end of the year. No, we give God our very first and our very best at the beginning of the year. I am telling you, January, if done right, it will set in motion a chain reaction that will destroy all of the strongholds and change everything for you in 2024. I'm telling you, this is our God. He is about sowing and he is about reaping. So shall a man sow, so shall he what? Reap. It's who he is. It's what he's done. And what does sowing and reaping have to do with seasons? <laughs> he's done this. He's better. He's smarter. He's greater. He's, he's actually working and has a plan for you and I. And I'm telling you, glory nights are essential to Christianity. Do you want to be lukewarm? Let me say it like this. Jesus is for everyone, this church is not. Jesus is for everyone, this church is not. It should be. It should be. Because every believer, we shouldn't be in love or infatuated or enamored with being lukewarm and just getting by. No, no, no. We should be in love and infatuation and enamored with giving Jesus everything until we burn and burst for him. Glory nights, I'm going without so I can go up. Pastor Matt is a great pastor. Thanks, guys. Jesus is better. The Holy Spirit is better. I co-labor with him. Let me tell you this, as I've been teaching our team this the last few weeks, it is easier to pastor from the throne room. Why? Because Jesus is the best pastor. He's the high priest. So that's Wednesdays. And then starting tomorrow, friends and family, we have got our 31 days of prayer and fasting. 31 days. Pastor Matt, why don't you do 21? Because there's 31 days in the month. Everyone else can do 21. I got no beef with that. Ask for me in my house. We're going to give up to go up for 31 days. Now, briefly on this, fasting is God's cheat code. If you don't know about fasting, get about fasting. Get to know about fasting. It is God's cheat code. You got sin in your life, like I talked about last week. You know, how loneliness can actually be attractional to God. You can draw yourself into him. You can pursue him in loneliness and have a legion of sin. The only reason 
Loneliness will lead you to sin is if you have sin active in your life. Instead, what you do with loneliness is you fast and you pray and you get alone with your father and you go in your closet and you shut the door and you seek him. Because you're never alone when you're with the father. Shoot, you're never alone when the father's with you. You and I, we gotta begin to understand fasting is God's cheat code. You want breakthrough in your spiritual life? You want breakthrough in hearing God's voice? You want breakthrough in your marriage? You want breakthrough in your purity? You want breakthrough in your finances? You want breakthrough in every other area under the sun? I'm telling you, fasting plays a role in it. Why? Because it rids you of yourself and lets you grow into him. Pastor Matt, how do you know? Well, Jesus didn't die for us to tame the flesh. He died for us to kill the flesh. How do you kill the flesh? You starve it. Starve your flesh so you can feed your spirit. Now, in saying that, I am completely aware that, uh, you know, we live in a time and place where we have basically ruined all of our soil and uh, destroyed all of our food. And we got to leave America to go and get stuff that is kind of closer to what God made in the garden. Pastor Matt, really just say that? I did. Have you read the back of anything? It's, you know, come on. Anyways, in saying that, I understand that because of these things, we, some of us, we have dietary restrictions, dietary issues, health reasons, all this stuff. A few things I want to tell you about as your pastor. It's going to help you out. One, our God is a healer. However you have to fast to pursue him, I would say pursue him as healer. Pursue him as healer because we're not just going to make uh, alterations to what the word of God says is fasting and then not pursue him and not ask him for healing, right? Like that would, be, that would be the wrong motive, okay? Instead, what we're going to do is we're gonna look at the scripture and we're gonna find all these different ways that people fasted. Now, here's what, here's what I'm gonna invite you into. Fasting is always, biblically, about food. It's always about food. It's not about, I'm fasting Netflix. It's not about, I'm fasting, you know, pornography. You don't get brownie points in heaven for fasting sin. Okay, can I just tell you that? Jesus is not going, way to go. You're, for 31 days, you were celibate. Fantastic. Good to you. No, he's not. He wants your heart. He wants you. He wants your life and all that is within it. Okay? Is that good? Good. Because there's some people who are like, oh, man, cool. I'm going to fast porn. And I'm like, dog, that's not, you need Jesus. Like, can, can I introduce you to him again? Because I don't think you got it the first time. Like, he's Lord. He's not about that life. Okay? But here's the deal. It's all about food. Now, the amazing thing is what we see in Daniel. We see Daniel who goes on this fast and this fast is awesome. And, and literally, Daniel is a legend. If you've not read the book of Daniel, legit do so. I get it. After chapter five, you're gonna be like, what is going on? But if you're fasting and you're reading Daniel one through five, you're gonna kind of have a little bit of picture because you too are gonna be hearing the Lord far more clear. But Daniel, here's this amazing man of God who raised up in the ranks underneath King Nebuchadnezzar. And I can't stand Nebuchadnezzar. Nebi sucks, okay? Nebi's the worst, okay? But, but Daniel, he went on a fast because he was like, I am high up in this kingship. I work in this palace. I, am, I have the king's ear. The king is doing heinous, debaucherous, terrible things, not unlike our world and our government and our kings today, doing heinous, debaucherous things that are sin, Okay? promoting sin in the White House, we have that. But what does Daniel do? He goes, okay, I've been called to rise up in said White House. So how do I not get conformed to the White House? I fast. And what set him apart and what was able to make him say no in times where everyone else was saying yes was that he was nearer and closer to God than anyone else. How did he do that? 
nuts and berries. <laughs> Legit. Daniel fast. Look it up. It's a great way if you have dietary issues to pursue him, to still fast and to do these things. I would also say this. It doesn't mean you have to fast all day. Fast breakfast, fast lunch. Work your way up. Hey, first week, I'm gonna fast breakfast. Second week, if I'm feeling better, halfway through second week maybe, I'm gonna fast lunch as well. You know what I mean? And then just have a massive, nutritious meal at dinner. But in that time of fasting, hear me, friends, and then I'm gonna get off the fasting train. Hear me. The point of fasting isn't simply to go without, we must go up. Like John was invited up, you and I are being invited up. We don't just go without. We got to go without in order to go up. What does that mean? That means in lieu of having food at breakfast, whatever that hour is for you, 30 minutes for you, we seek him. At lunchtime, when you're on break at work or whatever it is, instead of having food, you're meeting with him. You're praying, you're seeking him. It is, listen friends, you've got to understand, it is substitutional in this way. We have got to, if you want to grow in the spiritual, you've got to get in love with the substitutional. You've got to say, I'm going to take out lunch and I'm going to put in the bread of life called Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody right now? That's what we have to do. So many people start fasting, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, I'm hungry and I'm terrible. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're hangry right now, but you've been with Jesus? I was supposed to be with Jesus? Yeah, what were you doing? <laughs> I was just yelling at my coworkers and my kids. No, <laughs> right? We got to fall in love with the substitutional. We take this season and we say, God, at this time, in this place, I'm going to hold my appointment with you. I'm going to hold my appetite for everything else but you. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to meet with you. And you are going to fill me. You are going to redeem me. You are going to uh, consecrate me. And you are going to set me apart for your glory. And the best part is, he's going to talk to you. He's going to talk to you. I don't know a single person who's ever done a fast and done it the way Jesus says to do it. And never regretted it. So funny, we live in a time and place where Christians are like, my pastor wants me to do things. And it's like, yes, we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> because I want you to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He sought the Father. He seeked the Father. He got with the Father. He fasted. He was with his community. He was preaching the gospel. He was going out and laying hands, casting out devils. Like Jesus is our model because Jesus is perfect. Amen. So that's fasting. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do that. Asia and I personally, not only are we going to be fasting food at certain times and all that good stuff, we actually are going to fast media because for 31 days, I don't really want Netflix to have my eyes. I want Jesus to have my eyes. So for us, we're going to be together. We're going to be praying. We're going to be reading. We're going to be doing other stuff like that, but all around seeking him. Individually and in our marriage. I think it's a great way to do things. I would invite you to it. If music is something, you should also do that. And also, by the way, when I was praying earlier, I heard the Lord say, there are some people in the room, no offense, we're not calling you out, but I'm calling you out. And I mean it a little offendingly. <laughs> offendingly? Offensively? Whatever. Offensively? The Lord's calling you to give up alcohol. And if I just said that and your heart went, eh, that's you. That's you. That's you. He doesn't want any other stronghold in your life but him. And if alcohol, if weed, if all these things is some sort of substitute, um, not substitute, uh, medicinal 
thing is what is numbing you to the pains of your life, Jesus says, I will not just numb you to the pains of your life, I will bring purpose to the pains of your life so you can endure the pains of life and you will see my glory in it. So if you went eh when I said alcohol or went eh when I said weed, this is for you. This is for you. And I believe that you're gonna end up on January 31st and you're gonna be at the glory night and we're gonna break this fast together at the glory night. Shoot, I think it should be some sort of potluck glory night. I think we should worship, have all the food smelling and then like an hour and a half later, we break and we devour. Sound like a plan to you? Sounds like a plan to me. But that's what this is all about and it's all leading to January 28th, the Sunday of our first fruits offering. We do this every year again because I love my brothers and sisters in the church and I love that some of us are like year-end giving. I get that. I understand the tax reason for it. I understand that. But for me, I'm not giving at the end of the year for a tax break. I'm giving at the beginning of the year to honor my king. Okay, there's got to be a heart shift in the church. There's got to be a heart shift in this room. There's got to be a heart shift in me and in you. It cannot just be about, I get a break from Caesar. I don't want to just a break from Caesar. I want to honor my king. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to purpose above and beyond a regular, or a regular tithes and offerings. And we are going to set takeover church up to be the most... Uh, how do I want to say this? The most purposeful in our ministry in 2024. You know the amazing thing about the first fruits offering from 2023? We still have it. We still have $18,000. Well, Pastor Matt, why did you guys sit on that? What are you doing? Oh, we didn't sit on it. Like the Lord has added to our numbers and then we know we've, things have gone and we've gotten to pay more people to do more things. And like we've done these things and the outreaches and the downtowns and the, all the things, okay? Keep the lights on here, all the stuff, right? It's amazing. But also, what it allows us to do is set aside for the new wine skin that the Lord will have for you and I. Because I can look around the room and I can tell we all are sharing two same thoughts. We love Jesus and we need more bathrooms. <laughs> tell me when I'm telling lies. So that's what First Fruits is all about is that we're going to give unto God in his house after we have fasted, after we have gone through this, we're going, to, we're going to hear his voice so clearly. Some of you, you're going to give more than you've ever given before in your life. Some of you, you are going to give uh, what God has asked you to do that you are going to be like, this is steep, this is crazy. And I'm telling you, the devil's never going to say, hey, give more to church. Okay? So before we get into this whole, I don't know if it was the Lord. It was. You know what I mean? Come on. Golly, the devil would rather have you serving money than money serving you. Amen? Come on, somebody. So, it's going to be awesome. But the moment we're really waiting for is, Pastor, where are we going this year? Who are we going to be this year? What is it that you and I are going to do together? What has Lord said over this house for the year 2021? Four. Jen, can you put the first slide up? The prof no, that's the right one. You good? The prophetic word for 2024 is this. A house of prayer. Yeah, come on! A 
house of prayer. Now I know Pastor Adrian kind of spoiled it earlier during prayer and praise. All good. She's excited. She's excited. She's excited. But we will be. Because book of Isaiah, which is a prophecy all about Jesus and Jesus himself in Matthew 21, 13, which is where we're going to spend, like, that's going to be like the main one that we're going to like come around. But I think we need to both look at, we'll look at this next Sunday when we start this together, okay? But we need to look at God's heart for his house, his temple, his tabernacle, his tent of meeting. And all the way back to the Garden of Eden has always been what? A house of prayer. That's been his goal from the beginning is that he would create for himself a place to dwell amongst his people where they pray. Why? We're going to answer that next week. No, I'll tell you real quick, okay? Why is that his goal? Because you and I, we've got to readjust what we see prayer as. Prayer is not Hail Mary, you know, throwing it up, lob it up to heaven, hoping somebody up there hears us and brings it to the big guy and maybe one day he'll shake something loose and we'll get a grape, okay? It's not that. Prayer is not a last ditch effort to try and manipulate God to move on your behalf. Prayer is relationship with God. Prayer is relationship with God. And so literally, 2024 is good about you and I, what it looks like to be a church and what it looks like to be a temple, as in you and I, we are now the temple of God. The Holy Spirit resides in us. So we're gonna be the church of God. We're gonna be the temple of God. And in both ways, we are going to begin to explore the depths of what God's heart is for you and I to what? Be a house of prayer. Collectively and individually, we are giving ourselves over to the pursuit of being a house of prayer in 2024. He wants a burning people, we'll be a burning people. He wants a house that is full of prayer, we will be a house of prayer, amen? That he gets what he wants here. Let it be said of us, you and me, front to the back, side to side, corner to corner, in this house, not only will we serve our God, not only will be a house of prayer in this house, he gets what he wants. He gets what he wants. Which leads me back to fire upon the earth the reward of fire. You see, man, we live in a time and place right now where literally there are two contending churches taking place. And I'm telling you, only one of them is his bride. Only one of them is his bride. There's one church and we've seen her. We have seen her and she has been massive and she has done great things in appearance. She has raised millions and millions of dollars. And she's bought LED screens. And she's paid for pastor to have a wardrobe. Marketplace, guys. Bought it from a girl who broke up with her boyfriend right before Christmas. <laughs> My win, his loss, her broken heart. Pray for her. I invite her today. She didn't come. Hence the reason I can say this. So... Church rules. But hear me, hear me. You guys are awesome. Hear me. There's two churches. There's one that is man's best effort. There's one that was based and built off man's best effort, man's best intentions. And guess what, friends? If the last 30 years of evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal Christianity, if that is the best that it gets, you and I are in trouble. 
If that is the best that it has, if that's what God dreamed of in Acts 2 when he sent his spirit, if this last 30 years of what we have constructed in our own image to serve our own motives and our own wants and our own ideas and our own desires, if that is the best of God saying, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, if that is the best, you and I are in trouble. Because what happened? The world shut down and that version of Christianity took a lot of holes. God poked through it. He pierced through the veneer. Our church, we're going, we're going to pierce the veil and we want to sit with him. And he's over in other houses poking holes in the veneer just trying to get a little bit of his glory in. Because the glory that's happening in those homes are being consumed by people who were never made to consume glory. And then there's houses like you and I. And there's very few and far in between. Listen, 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 listen. In this moment, there's going to be a religious spirit start to work on the inside of you. And the religious spirit is going to start going, well, Pastor Matt's arrogant. How can he think that he has the best ideas and the best model? How can he think that takeover? Like, can he look around? Like, like, we don't have like a full room. Like, we don't have all the stuff. Like, shouldn't like, you know, when God blesses things look like that? No. <laughs> Death to that religious spirit here and now. Here and now. Why and how can I say that? We're going to get to that in a moment. But the reason I can stand here and say this is because for you and I, we have zero, we have no other prize besides him. There is no other darling in this room besides Jesus. Jesus is the only darling of heaven, so Jesus is the only darling of Takeover Church. And friends, let me tell you, as your pastor, he's the only darling that I have. He is my darling He's the reason for everything that I do. I would never go through the wounds that I've gone through, the glass that I've crawled over for people who will never call me back. Do all the things this side that cost the greatest amount of pain, the things Adrian and I personally have experienced, the losses that we've gone through, the hits our marriage has taken. Let me tell you, friends, he alone is worthy of that. He alone is worthy of that. And so with these two contending churches rising up right now, there's going to be one who has a desire to do things God's way and how God says and in God's timing and in God's best, okay? There's going to be this church and then there's going to be a church that is filled with great ideas, but none of them resemble the Bible. This isn't about dishonoring somebody else. This is about being a pastor who's called at this time and this place to tell you the truth. The days of cultural Christianity have ended. They have ended because it's too late and it's too dark and it's going to be too hard to be a Christian and be held into truth. It's all being shook loose right now and we can see it. When pastors get caught up in P. Diddy affairs, there's a problem. And it's not because pastor was ministering to P. Diddy. It's because pastor was partying with P. Diddy. Who's one of my heroes. This is a problem. Friends, you and I, we're called to burn for him and to burn against and burn out everything else that comes our way. Every other desire, every other notion, every other affection we put to death at the foot of the cross of Jesus. 
and we sit at his feet and we hear from his words, we hear his ways, we hear his will, and we go after him with all that we have. Whoever's clicking the pen, I'm gonna throw a microphone at you. Pretty sure it was Pastor Evan, so. And it was. Spirit of discernment. He's a witch. Um, but this is, who, this is who you and I are called to be. This is who you and I are called to be. Because friends, what's becoming incredibly clear if you were looking prophetically at the landscape right now in the church is there are houses that he is blessing, that he is moving, and that he is coming in with signs and wonders and miracles. And our house happens to be, however small it might be at the moment, is one of those houses. And then we can look at the veneer and the shiny and there is no oil in those hallways. They are hollow in those hallways and they are shallow in their hearts. Let it not be said of us that our hallways would ever be hollow and that our hearts would ever be shallow, amen? That instead, no, we would be found at a place where the Holy Spirit has strangely warmed our hearts. I appreciate anybody this morning. I said, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a husband. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a friend. I want to be a brother. And I want us to be a church where the Holy Spirit has strangely warmed our hearts. You see, friends, this amazing moment in history, you and I, we are uniquely placed here for such a time as this. If you don't understand the Lord put something on the inside of you for this exact hour, you are missing his heart and purpose for your life. You're not just called to wake up, work, make some money, pursue sex and intimacy with somebody else, and then die. That's not what you were birthed for. Because he planned you in heaven. You were woven together in your mother's womb. However you arrived on this plane, he had you already thought in his heart in heaven. And when he had that in his heart and he birthed you into this world, when he sent you into 2023, friends, it was with intention, it was with purpose, and there was something for you to accomplish with him. Not just for him, but with him. Friends, part of cultural Christianity that's dying is gonna be sons and daughters trying to do things for dad instead of being with dad. I don't do this for Jesus. I do this with Jesus. I do this with Jesus. The invitation of my life isn't to do great things for God. It's to do great things with God. Appreciate anybody this morning? Maybe that's news to you, but the great invitation of your life isn't to just do great things for God. It's to do great things with God. Okay, you're not in your workplace to do great things for God in that place or great things for yourself. You are in your workplace from UPS to the nursing institution, wherever you are, college, trucking. Come on, somebody. Let's go, Kenny. You are there to do great things with God. When Hamza goes into different businesses every week and he is cleaning as he's working for Sintas, the Lord is in that. He might be working for Sintas, but he's working with Christ. Just so happens to be the Lord laid the guy in my heart that has a C in his workplace, so the alliteration was good. <laughs> you know, it's anointed if the alliteration is good. But it's true. That's what this is all about. Friends, listen to me. There is a reward of fire, but it's not ours. It's not ours. 
It's not ours. I'm going to explain this to you in just a second, but it's not ours. You and I, our reward is salvation and relationship with the Father. Our reward is salvation and relationship with the Father. Jesus' reward is that you and I would be set ablaze for him. His reward is that he would receive a burning bride and not a lukewarm bride. Are you hearing me? Our reward, this whole thing, let this shift the paradigm this morning. This whole thing isn't about our reward of fire. It's about his reward of fire. He came, died, resurrected, and ascended and sent his spirit. For what? So our reward could be salvation and relationship. And his reward out of that salvation and relationship could be a burning bride. Why? Because he's the man of fire. He's the lamb of fire. He's the king of fire. And what does he need as a perfect partner? A bride of fire. A bride of fire. Pastor Matt, how do you know? I know because in the 1700s, there was this wonderful band of misfits. Let me tell you about them. They're called the Moravians. Have you heard of them? The Moravians. They're amazing. If you don't know them, get to know them. Because in 1700, literally 1700 in Germany, there was this man, he's a count. He's actually one of the oldest, uh, richest royal families on the planet at the time. His lineage goes all the way back to Roman kings and empires. This man. His name was Count Zindeldorf. Sickest name of all time. To be fair, I didn't know good things could come out of Germany. So, you know, I drive a V-bug, VW bug. That's about as good as it gets, I thought. Turns out, Incorrect. The Moravians. <laughs> so hear me, listen to this. Zindeldorf is born, and Zindeldorf is born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and he is a count, and he is going to be a lord, and he is called and destined by his lineage in the earth to go and rise up and to be a lord and to ultimately be a king in Germany. That is his goal. That is what he was birthed for. That was the whole plan. He was literally one of the sons that was born and he was born perfectly in the lineage that if it was all going according to natural plan in the kingdom, he would be the next king. But God began to get a hold of Zindeldorf's heart. He got a hold of Zindeldorf's heart. And what happens? What happens when God gets a hold of a baby king? Well, we just talked about it last week, but let's talk about another one. What happens is there's actually a great documentary on YouTube called Zindeldorf, Count Zindeldorf, the rich young ruler who said yes. Here's what happens. He begins to be literally captivated, enchanted with Jesus. He begins to find his soul being lit on fire. And he's like, man, there's something to this religion. There's something to this man, Jesus. Like, it's the 1700s. Can I tell you, in the 1700s, there was 1,250 Bibles on the earth. 1,250 Bibles on the earth. What is it that Count Zindeldorf knew about Jesus with 1,250 Bibles on the earth that you and I, we don't know with all of our technological advances? I've got every single translation of the Bible on my phone readily available. I've got every podcast from every sermon, from every house right now. Everyone, when the world shut down, had to go online. There is not a single sermon unless it's in the tunnels of China or in the hills of Russia that I can't listen to right now. So what does Zindeldorf know in his young teen years that makes him go wayward of kingship to literally cast his crown at the feet of the one true king? What does he know that you and I don't? What does he know that you and I don't? Because what happens is this. He's off. He's in boarding school. He's doing his thing. He's learning how to use the cutlery and tuck his napkin the right way. And he's doing all the stuff. 
But he's in a time and a place where the Lutheran church is tied in with the state, not unlike this, you know, the English church and all those things back in the day, not unlike that the Lutheran church, Martin Luther's already happened, we had the Lutheran church broken off from Catholicism, but basically, left to their own devices, the Lutheran church just became like Catholic Church Junior. So it's all just rules and regulation. It's all these works, it's all these things. They may not pray to Mary, but they sure treat Jesus like her. It's a weird thing. And so Zindeldorf's like, I, I, I can't be a part of this. I've got I've to learn more about this one true Jesus. So what does he do? He goes around and at 18, every young count, every young royal, they would be sent on an excursion around the Eastern Europe area. They would go and then they eventually make their way to Britain and they go to all these places. And what was the point? To learn royal etiquette from other royals. And so he'd go and he'd sit with kings and he'd do these things. At least that's what they planned. Instead, Zindeldorf loves Jesus and he wants to sit at the feet of one king. So what does he do? He pays off the people who are there to be his handlers instead of taking him to meet with kings and queens and princes and princesses and finding a spouse even, he forgoes all of that so he can go sit with cathedrals with holy men. He goes so he can go and sit in cathedrals with holy men. He goes and sits with friars. He goes and sits with monks. He goes and sits with great priests at the time. He goes and he does all of these things instead of being found with kings and queens. He's sitting at the feet of priests because he wants to learn about Jesus. And the funny thing is, they started getting mad at him because he started bailing on all these things. And so they were like, listen, man, you've got to start you know, fulfilling some of your kingly duties. And he was like, well, they can meet me in the church. See, at 18 years old, when he got back from his excursion, he started a secret society in Germany. Literally. It's called the Society of the Mustard Seed. The Society of the Mustard Seed. It started with three of his friends. Him and three of his friends. And by the time he was done, it consisted of not just, uh, I think it was 120 people, which is interesting if you look at the book of Acts. There's 120 people, but one of them happened to be the sitting king of Denmark. And that's just not even the most notable one. It's just the best one I can remember at the moment. He was sitting king of Denmark, a part of his secret society of the mustard seed. Why? Because he made it his life's work to begin to leaven the kingdom into Germany, into Eastern Europe. Yeah, Zindeldorf is awesome. Okay, look him up. But it's not just there where God starts. He starts a secret society. What does he do? He goes to his grandma and he goes, Grandma, can I buy your land? And she's like, Nye. And you know, it goes well. He buys her land, and what does he do? He begins to put up places of prayer. So what ends up happening is this. Fast forward one year, and there's this guy named John Huss. John Huss, another great man of God. You should look him up. John Huss freaking rules. John Huss, okay? John Huss is a mighty man of God. I know some of you guys are like, this is a wild sermon. Just bear with me. We're going somewhere. John Huss. He got so radically baptized in the spirit of God and he was high up in the church at the time, in the Catholic church. And so he was being literally investigated by the Catholic church for his Pentecostal ways. Before there was ever even the phrase Pentecostal as a church movement, he was being investigated for the fact that he believed, Paul said, that we have justification by faith and faith alone. The Catholic church could not handle this. So they begin investigating him and then eventually they decided to quote unquote make peace with him. John Husk was uh, invited to go and preach at the special high council. When John Husk arrived to preach at the high council about justification through faith and faith alone, what did they do before he even got to the platform? It was all a ruse. They subdued him, they tied him, and they burned him at a stake in front of a high council Catholic church. 
But John Huss, being a man of God, he had followers. And these followers were these band of misfits. They're called the Moravians. And some of them were from Czech, some of them were from Germany, some of them were Lutheran, some of them were Catholic, some of them didn't even know what they were. They just believed the Bible. And all of a sudden, because they were John Huss' followers, they were now lambs without a shepherd. <clears throat> so what happens? They find themselves fleeing the Catholic Church in persecution unto death, okay? Real Christians. Unto death, real Christians. Real ones. Let it be said of us that we would have the Moravian spirit. They flee and they find themselves by accident or by divine appointment on this land freshly bought from Zinnendorf's grandma. She said, nah, but God said, yes. It's amazing. And so what ends up happening is this. Zinnendorf, he gets them together and he's like, listen guys, we got all these different philosophies, we got all these different doctrines, we got all these different theologies. We need to come together and we need to make Jesus the central focus of all that we do. Literally, you are not gonna survive and this is not gonna go well because here's the deal. You were not allowed to worship in this area of Germany unless you were a part of the Lutheran church. And so he actually, Zinnendorf, as a count, he took John Husk's, uh, like, I don't know what you call them, basically they're, their code of conduct, their code of honor for the Moravians. He took it, he rewrote some stuff, plagiarized a little bit. Probably had to square that way with Jesus at the end, okay? Plagiarized it a little bit, changed their code of conduct and their rules so that it said a little bit of like Lutheranism in there so they could freely worship in this thing. And what ends up happening is this. They have this one amazing worship night on this count's land and it's incredible. And the Holy Spirit comes and there's this amazing stuff happening and they get so filled with the Holy Spirit. Literally history records, not even just their history, German history records. They were so slain in the spirit, they couldn't even get up off the floor. It was just like... When Solomon finished the temple and the Holy Spirit came, priests were not able to preach because they were in the glory on the floor. Same exact thing happened. And so what happens? By the time they're all able to collect themselves and get back together, Zinnendorf is like, hey, we've, we've been touched by God. Our hearts have been strangely warmed. Like we've, we've got to figure out how to now steward this, how to do this. And so the Moravians who are pure in heart because they've put aside all these doctrinal issues and they decide to believe the Bible, justifi justification through faith, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit births Christians, makes Christians, calls Christians, and sets them ablaze for the glory of God. They came around these simple things and out of Revelation 4, 11, for 24 hours, they held a prayer meeting. For 24 hours, they held a prayer meeting that never ended for 100 years. I'll say that again. For 24 hours, they prayed one single prayer, one single verse. And it led to a day and night, night and day, never ending for 100 years, prayer night. Prayer day, prayer set, prayer, just prayer. Never ended. Pastor Matt, how is that even possible? Well, because kind of like the church of old, everyone moved onto this land. They did this thing. Pastor Matt, are you starting to say we need to go buy a plot of land? Well, you <laughs> like I'm game if you're game. But what I'm saying is this, is that began the, they began literally, they only prayed one single prayer and it was let the lamb that was slain receive the, offer, uh, receive the reward for his suffering. 
Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. And what happens is that this thing grows into hundreds, hundreds at a time. When there was 1,250 Bibles on the face of the planet, these Moravians knew what Zindeldorf knows and what Revelation says John saw in heaven that the elders know. And it's what? Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. Friends, can I ask you this morning, in 2023, did the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering on your life? Don't worry, the gun's pointed at me. I'm asking myself that question. Has he received his reward for his suffering, for his precious blood that was poured over my life? Because the Moravians, they set apart a 24 hours to say, we're underneath the stress. We're in persecution for people who would say they are God's people. We are running for our lives and he has provided for us a safe haven, a stronghold, a promised land, if you will, where he said, literally, he has a plot of land. It becomes a house of prayer. Are you seeing the correlations and the transitions today? There's this moment that if we're going to move like these people, we're going to see God move like these people, where we're going to see services that go crazy, where we're going to see God move in ways that are inconceivable. Listen, friends. Some of us, we need to, we need to go back and we need to look at Jesus a little bit longer. If your heart leaps and says, man, I, I don't know if I can take much more. I need you to go and look at Jesus again. You need to get a fresh, fresh look, fresh gaze at that lamb that was slain because he is worthy to receive the reward for his suffering. There is something about those martyred in heaven that they know about Jesus that you and I fail to know. There's something about these Moravians and Zindeldorf and John Husk that knows about Jesus that you and I, we fail to know about Jesus. Listen, friends, right now, you do not need another batch of New Year's resolutions. You need a New Year revelation of who this Jesus is. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? To hell with New Year's resolutions. You and I, we need a complete New Year's revelation of who he is. This lamb that was slain that is worthy to receive the reward for his suffering. Because here's the deal. If he didn't receive it in 2023, what makes you think, well, how are you so convinced you will give it to him in 2024? Listen, friends, right now, you and I, we've got, what, 12, 15 hours maybe left ahead of us in this day? Not great at math, but I know. Midnight is coming 12 hours from now. 10 hours? 12 hours? 10? Whatever. It's coming. That's right. I was making sure you knew. We've got 12 hours ahead of us. We got 12 hours ahead of us to make sure that he receives the reward for his suffering. Now, some of us, friends, I came completely today to mess up your plans for tonight. <clears throat> I came completely. Because here's the deal about these Moravians. They made a vow and they said, may the lamb receive the reward for his suffering. He's worthy to receive it. 
Can I ask you today, can you turn that gun inward? Can you ask yourself, can you ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I believe you are worthy of? And is it really what you are worthy of? Some of us, man, we've, we've lived lives. We've lived lives. We've spent 20, we spent 52 weeks in 2023 listening to a pastor preach about burning with fire for God while never even turning the kettle on in our own lives. The Moravians, they had this prayer, they had this mantra, like you and I, we used to do before our series, we would have a mantra and we would recite it together. Well, the Moravians, they have a mantra. Do you want to know what it is? It is this. It is let us be a community of people who seek, who sing, and who pray. And let us be a community, are you hearing me? And let us be a community that is a light fortress against the dangers of lukewarmness. Let us be a people, let us be a church, let us be a family that sings, that seeks, and that prays unto God, amen? And would be a light fortress against the dangers of lukewarmness. You see, there's something that the elders in heaven know. There's something that the Moravians know. There's something about every great revival that's ever broke out in our world. It's that we can't just repeat what we've always done and expect revival. Repetition does not beget revival, especially when what we are repetitive in is our own sinful silliness. So in 2024, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your marriage, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your salvation, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your kids, will it be revival or will it be repeat? Are they going to be a reproduction of what you grew up with? Come on, I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. In your purity, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your alcoholism, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your deliverance, will it be revival or will it be repeat? In your eyes, will it be revival or will it be repeat? What will you continually put before your eyes in 2024? Listen, friends, I'm telling you, Jesus is for everyone. This church is not, and that's unto the glory of God because I don't want to be in the bunker with people who don't see Jesus the way I see Jesus. Wonder why? Because I have made it my life's efforts, my life's work to see Jesus as he sees himself. When he's sitting on that throne that we just read about and we see this glass crystal mirrored floor all around him, when he bends down to pierce through that and he first sees and gets a fresh look at himself, I want to behold in my eyes the Jesus that he beholds in his eyes. I want to behold in my eyes the Jesus that he beholds in his eyes. What ends up happening with these Moravians I said they got this fire burning. Worship team, you can make your way up. They got this fire burning, 100-year fire. And th all throughout it, there were these embers that flew off. And these embers, they went out. They went out and they burned everything that was dry that they touched. These embers, in fact, they were this missional community. And their mission, first and foremost, wasn't to worship missions, which we see so much today. Gen Z, you've got to be aware of this. We don't worship the mission field. We worship the Lord who sends us to the mission field. There is a difference and you need to know it because there are movements right now in the earth that will take from you what the Lord has given you and they will use it for their advantage and not for his kingdom advancement. There's a difference. 
in saying that, hear me. This missional community, they decided we're going to be missional. What does that mean? We're going to be missional first and foremost unto God. Him, he's our mission. Then our mission from there is to train up one another in our own house. And then from there, we go on like a spark, like an ember flying out from the blazing fire. They go on mission to burn down everything around them to raise Christ to life in everything. It's amazing. And so you see this wonderful moment. They would go out in twos, like the Bible said. They would send them out in twos. One would come back. They literally had a 50% death rate. They had these men who ended up leading a great revival in an island in Britain. It's no longer around. I mean, the island's still there, but it's not, a, it's not what it was. It doesn't matter. They sold themselves off into slavery. Two men from Moravians, so consumed with fire from God, so in love with him, they sold themselves off into slavery onto this tiny island in Britain because no one was going there with the gospel and the only way to get in was through slavery. Let that preach to your heart. Let that minister to you. Let that rack you and change you and mold you into something resembling Jesus today. That when you live a life saying, I want to give the lamb that was slain a worthy offering of his sacrifice. Suddenly you get called into slavery. Why? So that you can bring resurrection power to an entire island of people. And what ends up happening is they took one of these 1,250 Bibles with them. And after most of it got torn up, kid you not, you can't write this. Most of it was torn up. Most of it was ripped up. But one thing they held on to, and they didn't even have the best translation of Hebrew and Greek at the time, like you and I do. The one thing they held on to, I'm sure there was other pages, but what led revival in that island in Britain through the Moravians was the book of John. The gospel of John, which is a single, my opinion, favorite gospel in the entire Bible because it is intimate and it shows us a picture of Jesus that only those close to him can see. <laughs> and as God would have it, the same John who wrote the most intimate portrayal of Jesus that can only come from a best friend who's sitting up against his chest is the same John that he trusted with with the book of Revelation that when he was on a prison island himself, he said, come up here, I'm gonna show you things happens to be the book of John that survives this slavery ambition, the slavery mission field. And they lead a mass revival where that entire island comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Everyone, every slave is set free. Every master pays a livable wage. And this happened in the Americas too. It's just our woke society today doesn't want to talk about these things. Bottom line is, what am I saying? is that the lamb that was slain is worthy to receive the re reward for his suffering. Would you stand? I would love if a 100 year prayer meeting day and night broke out.
I would love that. That would be the pursuit of my life. I would love that. But a 100-year prayer meeting, day and night revival will never break out unless you and I, we are married to this lamb. And not only are we married, we are pure unto this lamb. We don't got eyes that are looking to the left or to the right. We're not looking at other tables, seeing what they're eating or what they're drinking or what they're putting before their eyes. We're not looking for another form of intimacy to supply for us what only Jesus can truly deliver us from and then satisfy himself. These moves of God only come off the other side of consecration, being set apart, being so kindled of the things of this world that the second Jesus even looks our way an ember comes off his eyes of fire and he ignites us. That's what this whole thing's been about. So this morning, as we cap off, Prophet Angie, could you close that door for me? You feel free to kill the lights, guys. As we cap off 2023, fire upon the earth, as we put a bow on this thing, it's my hope that what I'm putting a bow on is worthy of the offering that Jesus is worthy of. That if this is going to be the gift today, if this is going to be a moment where we put a bow on all of it, and we say, here, Lord, here's 2023, your fire upon the earth. This is your man. This is your woman. This is your family. This is the kids. This is your offering. Will it be the reward that he is worthy of receiving? For some of us, this message was challenging. I get that. It should be. The cross of Jesus at the very beginning is challenging. Especially because once you have seen the cross of Jesus, he hands you one of his own. <laughs> Here you go. Your turn to carry one. But beyond the challenging for the mature Christian, I don't mean mature in theology. I don't mean mature in all the ways we think of mature. I mean ripe. I mean ripe. Like you are someone that you've allowed God to grow. The perfect farmer has grown you into the most ripe fruit possible, or at least well underway. For you and I, what looks like challenges of summer and actually an invitation for the many. And there's an invitation this morning. I'm going to ask my core team to come up. I've spoke with them before service. If you guys can make your way here, if you're available to come up, just my core team. I'm going to invite you to come up and receive prayer. Prayer as we end this, as we put a cap on it, as we go in this moment and we say, Lord, here am I. And the reason we're going to pray is because some of us, we need to repent of some things still. Some of us, we've been hiding and lying. Some of us, we've not been truthful with God and truthful with our brothers and sisters. And we've kept things in. And he's like, no, my blood cleanses from the inside out. I didn't send my body and my blood to simply wash you white as snow. But I make you a holy new being in my image and likeness. I restore all that was stolen in the garden and I give life to God's original design and intent for you.
And so there's no other way to end this morning. There's no other way to end 2023. There's no other way to go out than have a moment of prayer where our worship team is going to lead us for those of us who have yet to make our way up for prayer. We're waiting. We're going to engage with God because He is worthy of our worship. And those of us that are going to be down at prayer, which I think, if I'm being honest, myself included, we all need this. But those of us that are praying, we are going to come earnestly and honestly and transparently before the throne of God. James 5.16, confess your sins to a brother so that healing may come. We're going to do that. We're going to model that. We're going to live that. We are going to experience that. In this church in 2024, we are going to stand. We are going to stand as a biblical experiment between what the church has been for a good number of years and what Jesus paid for with his body and his blood in the book of Luke. And we're going to stand as an experiment that bridges the gap between what we've experienced as Christianity and what Jesus actually paid for in Christianity. And we are going to see his purchase be complete. That's us. That's this house. That's you and that's me. And it can't be on my anointing alone. And it can't be on a few others who burn. This cause, this cry, this pursuit, it has to be on all of us. From the pew to the pulpit to the parking lot, this has to be all of us. Because He is worthy of receiving. He's worthy of receiving a Mavorian prayer night that never ends for a hundred years in 2024. If he's not worthy of just that, I don't know what else he's worthy of because honestly sitting at his feet and looking at him in perpetuity and indefinitely, it's honestly kind of one of the easiest things we could do if we loved him the way he's worthy of being loved. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you forward. And this is a time where you can confess. This is a time where you can pray. It's a time where our team is going to be ready for anything that you need to say and anything you need to get out. It stays here. It burns on the altar. We don't do gossip here. Gossip is demonic. We don't do demons here. We cast them out. Amen. So we don't gossip. And we're not going to run it about. If you got things that are heinous, every sin is heinous. And the blood of Jesus still covers it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to put death to sin in 2023 and we are going to build ourselves with the Spirit at work in us. It's a houses of prayer in 2024. So let us pray. Father, we love you. Father, I ask right now, God, that you would come, that you would move in this room right now in ways that only you can. Feel free to start coming forward if you want prayer. Start coming forward. Don't wait for me. Right now, Lord, I ask, I ask that you would receive a worthy offering in this moment, God, that we would earnestly and honestly, we would look inside ourselves, God. If there's doubt, if there's worry, if there's transgressions, if there's unforgiveness, if there's brokenness, God. God, we don't want to leave this year. We don't want to go into a season of fruitfulness, coming out of season of death, while bringing death with us into that season of fruitfulness, Lord. Deliver us this morning. Leave it at the altar this morning. 
Father, we ask right now, God, that as we begin to confess, as we begin to pray, that you would send your Holy Spirit right now in a greater measure. Send the Holy Ghost, God. The Holy Ghost, the ghost that haunts our sin, but brings life to our bodies. Send the Holy Ghost this morning. May there be a holy haunting of our sin that takes place in this room, the things that separate us from us, from you. Lord, we love you, and we want to be close to you as humanly possible this side of heaven. So rip it open, tear it out, cast it down, deliver us right now, Lord. We love you, we long to burn for you, and we want to be kindled of all sap and all sin. We long to be dry and ready for a Christ-like look to touch us, to burn us to engulf us in his holiness and his purpose. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And have your way in this room, in these people, in this season. And may we give you a worthy offering of 2023 right here and right now, Lord. Let us not spend the next 12 hours in sin and in secret. Let us leave fully alive, fully completely unclothed before you where you see everything in us and everything about us and we welcome your blood and we welcome your purpose into all of it come Holy Spirit come provoke us to confession provoke us to confession in Jesus mighty name Lord receive receive the reward for your suffering oh precious Lamb of God receive the reward for your suffering in Jesus name Amen.